broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and a Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Here we are. We've made it. Draft week started yesterday, by the way. I work on Sundays. The calendar says Sunday starts the week, not Monday. Draft week is here. I'm ready. Are you ready? Is Trevon Walker ready? He is now the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick. Trevon, do me a favor, buddy. Fly to Vegas and be a part of the draft festivities. Stuart Weber's going to be there. He's not one of the ones on the list? No. Holy yikes. I know. All the rest of them are, by the way, like Neil and Thibodeau and Hutchinson uh. and, and Aquanu, but not Trevon Walker. Isn't he from Georgia, though? Didn't we? He is. He's staying in Georgia. I guess he's going to be... Um, Word I got is that he's going to be at his house. I don't know that for sure yet. We're still trying to figure out some of the details. But, uh, yeah, he's a Georgia kid. Action News Jack's on the road, live from Trevon Walker's driveway. Yeah, I, know. I don't know. I wish we knew him a little bit better to know that, you know. I yeah. mean, uh, it's, it, it does create an interesting scenario. We've got a lot of draft coverage along the way. Brent Martineau, along with Casey Kurtz, uh, no Austin here today, and... We're still doing shock your mock and, and, and maybe even a different way. Does it have a nicer twist to it? Oh, we still have to shock our mocks, so keep sending them in, and we'll be uh, here for that at 4 o'clock. Uh, we will shock your mock. Uh, caught up with Sal Palantonio earlier today. He had some really interesting things to say that we will play uh, before the draft this week. Probably not today, but this week. Uh, later in the week, my sit-down interview with Trevor Lawrence in its entirety. And, of course, we have a bunch of pre-draft luncheon conversation with uh, uh, Trent Balky and also Doug Peterson from Friday that we really even haven't completely, as Urban would say, done a deep dive into uh, just yet. So we haven't found out who Aaron Donald is yet. Oh, good. <laughs> good. <laughs> when it comes to that news conference. So we will uh, certainly do that. Bunch to talk about. The robots and umpires are back on my Twitter feed. Need them. Um, Need them. Can't wait for that discussion. I know where the young guys are going. Need them. Uh, Angel Hernandez is awful. What about the Guardians and the Yankee fans? Hey, man. Wow. You don't mess with boys from the 941. Miles Straw going to get after you. Uh, that was an interesting situation. The NBA playoffs. Uh, so we got a lot. Hey, it's a Monday. It should be a lot going on. Hope you had a good weekend, everybody. But the big story is the draft. I am stunned, by the way, Casey, to see the odds swinging in this much. What happened today, and we're gonna we're gonna get into this. I think it's pretty fascinating. I, I say this all the time. We've done enough drafts. We are experts at how the draft unfolds from December all the way through now. We really are. Like, if anybody ever wants to know down the road for the next 10 years, call somebody from Jacksonville. Like, we know how top five picks work. We know how top 10 picks work. And now we know how number one overall picks work. And we know when there's a slam dunk, and we know when there's not a slam dunk. We know how to hit, not a lot, but we know how to miss, a lot. So you want to know what the smoke screens are and, and how the process plays out. I think we're well-versed in that. I'll, I won't call us an expert. But we're pretty damn close, is my point, in the expert on how the draft unfolds. Well, I tell you this all the time, folks. We do all these mock drafts. We have a lot of fun with Shock Your Mock. And people do mock drafts like a year in advance. And what happens is, yeah, there's a click element to this in the industry where people aren't going to say exactly what they know and think and have all the information to back in February. So they're going to play the long game. And they're going to hear some things. And they're going to slide people around. And they're going to have some fun with it. But as you get closer and closer, 
There's an ego involved in all of us and an ego involved in most everybody in this industry. They want to get it right. They want to be the one that says, look, I got the top five guys right in the, in the draft, in my mock draft, in my final mock draft of right. 442. It's like the guy that does 600 brackets and says, yeah, I got the final four right in my 598th one. So that's the way it works. But one more element to this, especially the national guys, the pundits, the, 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 the deep divers, if you will, the insiders, if you will, they get more and more information as it goes along. Is it accurate information? I don't think they even know. Is it more people talking just to talk? Probably. Is it hearsay? I think so. But when you have Peter King come out with his Monday morning column on draft week and you have Albert Breer and you have, you name it, uh, Tony Pauline or whoever you, you want to follow. Well, I think this is the week where the information is they feel the strongest. That's what I'm getting to. And so we'll see this information really change. And what we saw happen Sunday night into Monday morning. Like, this was literally when all these articles start coming out and people are like, all right, it's game on. It's draft week. What are you hearing about the number one overall pick? Well, Vegas said, we're switching the odds. Hayden Hutchinson has been the odds-on favorite to be the Jags pick for the last four months. Now, prior to that, don't, rem don't forget now, it was Kayvon Thibodeau for a long time to be the number one overall pick. To anybody, not just the Jags. That was before they even had the pick. But then Hutchinson assumed that role, assumed that role. Then Walker started climbing. I mean, he was like a seventh or eighth overall pick. Started climbing into that top five. Intrigue and talk and, oh, where are you going to play him? Oh, this guy's freaky. So what about production? Oh, no, bad production. Well, all of that conversation has led Vegas to switch the odds. And I think that is significant. I think there's a ton of smoke when it comes to Trevon Walker. And I still think Aiden Hutchinson could be in play. If you've listened to our show and you've followed me on social media and watched me on TV, I don't believe it's going to be offensive linemen. Uh, Trent Bulky can say they're down to four. That's fine. They have four people valued at the number one overall pick. But I don't think they're going Evan Neal or Iki Iquanu. I really don't. I think this is Trayvon Walker and uh, Aiden Hutchinson. And, and that's it. Simple as that. And by the way, this is a guy who feels like both would be good selections. I think the ceiling for Aiden Hutchinson is bigger than a lot of people believe it is. I don't understand the ceiling being low for Aiden Hutchinson, quite frankly. He's coming off his best year. Why would you say a guy that had his most productive year by far, by far, like really his only like super productive year, why do you think it's going to stop? Like why is that a one-hit wonder? Why is that his ceiling? Why can't he continue to get better? I don't understand why people are saying that. The measurables are there. The agility's there. So I don't fully get that, and I think a lot of people stymied that because of the way he looked in terms of productivity in the Final Four. Well, they did a lot of things to prevent him from having a big game in the Final Four against uh, Georgia, that was. And so I, I think the sky is still the limit, really, for a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, and I would like the pick. I think it would really be a cool pick. I love the Walker pick, too, though, because I think it adds a ton of intrigue. I'm not stuck on his lack of production. I think there are sometimes too many sacks to go around. That team was absolutely loaded. I don't think you had a dominant one guy that was going to get all the love. I think they had, heck, Jordan Davis, I believe, is a top 10 pick. And they say the Jalen Carter kid is better than him. Right. <laughs> so nobody's knocking Jordan Davis for that. You just had a ton of talent. 
on that side of the ball, as will be evident over the next few days when a bunch of dogs get picked in the 2022 NFL draft. I don't think it should count against Walker. My biggest question with Walker is where are you playing them? How are you playing him to the best of his abilities? Can the Jags do that correctly? Because he has versatility to him. Versatility means decisions. The Jags have swung and missed on that decision-making in the past. I think this kid's good. I think he could be Calais Campbell if they wanted to put on weight. Or I think he could be a very good edge outside linebacker guy in a 3-4 uh, and, and compliment Josh Allen. Terrific. So I don't know what they see in him um, in terms of where they'll actually play him, but I got a feeling they'll find a, a spot and hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, that they will do it in a correct way. Casey, yes, two sir. guys. It's a two-man draft right now for the Jags in my estimation. Do you leave the door open more for guys like Neil and Iquano or some, you know, to-be-determined guy? Uh, or are you with me? It's Hutchinson or Walker. Yeah, I'm I'm with you to a point. I think when they sat up there on Friday and told us it's the four, I constructed a four in my head that didn't include offensive line, and it could, uh, included Kavon Thibodeau and Jermaine Johnson because I think they're going to pick a pass rusher no matter who it is, and they're just trying to figure out the best option. So I'm all the way out on offensive line because it, it's not even really offensive line at this point because you have Cam Robinson, you have a couple of options at right tackle, it's guard. You're going to pick a guard with the first overall pick. It's not going to happen. You have to pick a pass rusher in this situation for Jacksonville. So I'm all the way with you that it's one of those four, likely one of the two you said. And to your point about the odds, Trevon Walker is now minus 165 to be the number one overall pick. Last week, he was plus 220. So if you got the plus 220, congratulations. Leave a comment in the stream. I'd love to see it because shout out to you, Aiden Hutchinson, up to plus 135, which in the grand scheme of things is not – Vegas is not going to lose out a whole lot on that, so it is still a safe spot for Aiden Hutchinson to be in. But the minus 165 is uh, – it's not hefty, but in this scenario and context, minus 165 is pretty hefty. I tell you what, I've got something from uh, – what's this one? BetOnline.ag, I guess. It's minus 175. That's crazy. 175. That's, I mean, for – Four to seven odds overnight. It's hefty. Absolutely yeah. overnight flipped. And Vegas knows what's up. Now – the I talked to somebody today that basically said the last few weeks, you know, Trent Baalke's been saying it's going to be him. That's the that's the rumor in circles in the NFL. Uh, so is that a smokescreen? Is that because he really likes him? Is there plenty of debate going on? Here's what I, I, I love all this stuff and we'll get deeper into it. But I love kind of the narrative out there right now that Shad Khan wants Aiden Hutchinson. Saw that. And these guys want. Walker. And I'm like, is that real? Because, first of all, Shad, we also have learned this, folks. Nobody knows what Shad's going to do. And Shad and his folks and this organization does a fantastic job of keeping it quiet. Nobody knows what the Jags are doing. Nobody. Last year we all knew because it was a no-brainer pick. It was obvious. But nobody knows what the Jags are doing. Heck, we just went through a coaching search where nobody knew what the Jags were doing. Like, the Jags do this very well. He's unpredictable, and they keep it pretty tight. Yeah. I mean, that is a fact. All you've had, if you follow Shad Khan and his decision-making, you can disagree with it, but it usually is pretty well, you know, kept under the table. Nobody really knows what's happening. 
And so I don't buy that narrative because also he's a guy that may, he, he has football people and he lets his football people do their thing. Like, I just can't imagine that Shad Khan's walking like on the phone right now debating in their meetings that, hey, here's why I think Hutchinson should be the guy. If you watch the hunt on Jaguars.com, he was asking, like, Trent Bulky, yep. why are we even doing this? Like, didn't you see enough on the tape in the pro days? Why are we here at the Combine? Which shouldn't have got <laughs> as much hate as it did, in my opinion. But, no, you know, no, it does. I, I agree with I, him. I, I ask that question you. all the time. I agree with him. So, anyway, um, I don't believe – it's just funny this week. It's a, it's a fantastic week, but you hear a lot of stuff. And people want to be right now. We live in a world where people want to be right. And people also want to be – they want to share what they know or think they know. And this is a big think they know because I don't believe people know. I really don't. I don't think – I mean, of course, there's a board in the building. So there there's are somebody's people name that know, yeah. right? And, and so – and I don't even know if I was in the building. I would trust that because I would think they were screwing around with me. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So – uh, it's it's a fascinating process. We'll see what happens. But I just think it's crazy that Walker has gone from second favorite. And by the way, if you go back three, four weeks ago, he wasn't even a second favorite. Not at all. I mean, I think Iquanu and Neil were in there. Neil has really slipped, Casey. Like, Neil has slipped out of that one hole in a, a big way, so much to the point where Iquanu is really the, the, the next best after Hutchinson. A lot more than Neil. Look at the odds I have. Plus 400 on Iquanu and plus 2,500 on Neil. Neil is now even money with Thibodeau. Not even money, but even with Thibodeau in the odds. That's insane. I mean, that is, to me, that's a wild shift because I really feel like Neil has proven that he can play guard, right tackle, left tackle. He's shown the versatility. Right. It sounds like Iquanu, they're going to say, this guy actually might be like an all-pro guard someday. And the Jags do have a hole at guard. But are you drafting guard one overall? No. I mean, no way. So is he a right tackle in this situation? And I do believe this. Anybody that thinks this is a one-year play at guard on the offensive tackles sliding over to Cam Robinson, listen, they might not get a deal done with Cam Robinson because negotiation is negotiation. But they want to get a deal done with Cam Robinson. They are not drafting a player to then say, hey, he'll slide in there next year. You can disagree with them wanting to extend Cam Robinson, but this organization has been publicly vocal about trying to extend Cam Robinson. Why would they do that? Why would they be so vocal about it and adamant, like, hey, we're going to get something done. We hope to get something done. You don't have to say those things. So it makes no sense that the Jacksonville Jaguars are drafting an offensive lineman for a one-year stopgap to then take over, not in their plans. Their plan is for Cam Robinson to be the left tackle of this football team for the next five years. And I'll go back and say what I've said repeatedly. That means if they want a right tackle, first of all, you're not taking guard at number one. You're not taking your next 10-year guard at number one. You're not doing that. Can't like, do I can't imagine you're doing that. So what are you saying? You're going to move him to right tackle eventually? Okay, well, you have a draft pick that might, you know, just bust out in Jawan Taylor. Hasn't played well since his rookie year. But why did you draft Walker Little then? Like, why did you waste a pick on Walker Little last year if you're now going to draft number one overall at right tackle? And I can see the value in a right tackle and one that you think is really good. But I don't see, to me, I'm going to hammer bulky if they pick offensive linemen because you just drafted a backup swing tackle in Walker Little last year at 45, and I believe that pick was his. That wasn't an urban pick, and that was a waste of a pick. 
because you don't draft a swing tackle number 45 overall. You draft a starter number 45 overall, and that's why they did that. So they swung and missed, and I think they opened the door for a ton of criticism there, and and Bulky should get a ton of criticism because, again, I think that was just as much him as Urban. I think Urban was responsible for the first three picks of that draft, but not that one. That that has Bulky written all over uh, at 45. So there's a lot in play. that That's why I eliminate the offensive linemen. Uh, Iquanu is is an interesting uh, prospect. I agree with that. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I think he could be a really, really good player for the team. I just don't get the logic in all this. And and while I'm also a big believer in getting blue chip guys, and you'll figure it out later, there's something to be said for how you shaped free agency, your big deficient holes on this football team as it sits right now, and your ability to get markedly better at a position like right now in year one for Doug Peterson, year two for Trevor Lawrence. And and it is glaring that the best way to do that is with one of these pass rushers of some kind on the defensive front. And so uh, it's, it's to me, a no-brainer. Jacksonville, Jay, and Vegas, by the way, agrees with me, and, and I'm not, like, thinking outside the box here. I think most of us think that it's going to be a Hutchinson or Walker. I think a lot of people are unhappy because, for some reason, Walker, people don't like or love. I shouldn't say don't like yeah. them, but they don't love them. Is no. it, are we stuck on production to that degree? Yeah, I mean, when you're picking the number one pick in the draft, yes. Like, you want something to fall back on, like, yeah. Like, look at this. This was incredible. And, like, you watch his film, it's good. Don't get me wrong, but, like, you look at the stats, and there's something to be desired there. And the stats are better for Hutchinson, but, again, it, it's just one of those things that not everyone's going to agree on. But I think when, you, when you're picking number one, like Miles Garrett, you were in love with Miles Garrett, right? Like, you knew that was your guy. And you fall back on the, the stats and the film, you're like, yes. Trevon Walker, it's not the same. And I think that's the struggle at number one. At number three, completely different conversation. At number one, you just want to wrap your arms around and be in love. And you, we're not we're not making out in public at this point. <laughs> we don't love him that much. Good. I'm not a big public affection guy anyway. Um, uh, Mina Kimes said, usage at Georgia affected his production, but if Walker goes this high, he'd have the lowest number of career sacks of any edge rusher taken in the top three since 2000 when sacks became an NCAA stat. Thanks, Michael Griffith, for sharing that. See, that doesn't help at all. It doesn't, but, you know, it's interesting. Like, the NBA often is based, like, uh, Cade Cunningham, right? He was a very good player, but he was, like, the best player in college basketball last year. They project those guys. Yeah. So why does it? Why is that a big problem in the NFL if this guy's freaky, just coming into his own, he's going to be a stud forever, even though Aiden Hutchinson might be better right now or was better last year or more productive last year? Why is that okay in the NBA, but why is that not okay in the NFL? I mean, quite frankly, we're doing that with the quarterbacks. Can he pick it? Probably sure. better right now. Malik Willis down the road. Like, that's part of this thing. Projection's part of this thing. Let's take a break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's everybody saying as we begin Monday of draft week here in Jacksonville? We've got the number one overall pick, and I can tell you this. We'll have it Thursday night. That pick ain't going nowhere. Ain't going nowhere? That's awful English. That pick is not going anywhere, by the way. We're not trading it. Nobody wants it. But we want to talk about it when we come back. Thibodeau going there uh, at four in the Mach 4 point. I was told by people I respect that didn't happen. It's just not happening. I, that's what I was told, and it was no reason given. It's, he's not going to be a Jet. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think he will be there. If they pass, then he becomes. There are a lot of people who think he could slide down to nine. I'm really interested to see Kayvon Thibodeau's career. Are they right? 
Were we all wrong? Not we all, but like the momentum to get him to number one last year. Did we? Well, uh, listen, in fairness, we couldn't see Aiden Hutchinson's year coming. Right. And honestly, we probably didn't see Trayvon Walker's year coming. No. So, I mean, that's that happens. Like, there are quarterbacks that all of a sudden, like Joe Burrow. Nobody saw Joe Burrow's year coming. Not at all, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, this isn't, this is commonplace where you put guys in the top whatever and they slide down a little bit. One, because production's different. But his production wasn't bad. Like, his stuff is weird. It's the whole love of football thing or whatever, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. But also, like, is it a little more me, me, me? Is he going to reach? Uh, I think you can get by all that stuff. The big question I would have with Thibodeau is if he's really as freaky as everybody says, which he does look at, if he has all this potential, will he reach his potential? I don't know that. I don't know the makeup of the kid. Like, I have no idea. Like, seems like a super intelligent guy. Um, I mean, he's well aware of what he has to do to be great. Like, he doesn't seem like a knucklehead in any way. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have no reason. I'm doubting his character, I guess. Say maybe work ethic, chip on his shoulder, his want to. And oh. by the way, there are people like that's a hard read, man. Once you make it, do you really want to be great? Human nature is, eh, I made it. I'm pretty good. I don't mind being pretty good. I'm going to go collect $100 million over the next uh, 10 years. I'm going to be a good player. Do I want to be, like, a great player? Well, that's a different level, especially in the NFL. Well, I think it's, in terms of, in his situation, I think it'd be fascinating if he does get down in that 9-10 range because you're, if I'm him at least, and you've heard multiple times that people are questioning if you really love the sport, what a way to prove people wrong. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the extra motivation that guy might need to just absolutely reach his maximum potential, which I think a lot of people agree could be fantastic. So to your point, you know, if you, if you get that man at nine, he's a steal, I guess let's put it that way, because he, he's absolutely a freak. He's might be the best player in this draft, and I think we'll find that out at some point in time in the near future, but uh, it's it's such a weird thing. It's such I, a weird thing. I think you're right. Like you just said it, so I don't even have to ask you. Like, I, if you ask me if he's picked – by the way, picking in the top 10, like if you're a top 10 pick, you're a pretty damn good player. It's not like people think you stink. This is all relative. It's expectation. It's it's everything. It's like our life is like that for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a little bit with Thibodeau. Thibodeau might slide to number four. He might slide to eight or nine. And we're like, man, this guy stinks. What did he do wrong? It's like, well, maybe just other guys passed him by. They need a couple of quarterbacks in the draft. The receivers are well-liked. Uh, you've got two tackles that could be 10-year guys. You've got two pass rushers that outperformed him and jumped him. Well, that's nature of sport. That's the nature of life. That's, that's the way it is. It doesn't mean the guy sucks because he's now going to be picked ninth overall. <laughs> in fact, I often feel for those kind of players that they get in a better position because of that. They get oh, put in a better position and maybe a better team and scenario. Now, it doesn't always work like that. But, like, I almost get the sense, let's just say the Giants got him at 10. Okay. So would, uh, I think they're at, oh, maybe it's the uh, no, Jets. You're right. 10. Giants are at 10? Or no, it's the Jets, 4 and 10. Yeah. All right. Let's just say the Jets get him at 10. So the Jets get him at 10. The Jets, who are known to boo anyway, are are they mad that they got Thibodeau at 10? Or are they saying, man, as a heck of a value pick, we thought he was going to be number one. Yeah. We could have got him at number four, and we got him at 10. I think you go nuts. I think you go absolutely. I think that's that's a win of the century. That's borderline Devontae Adams parade if he came to Jacksonville yeah. in New York, in my opinion. I would think so, too. I just don't – I'm not 100% sure all Jets fans would feel that way. Because well, if you picked yeah. him at four, they might have booed it. Like, that's stupid. 
Yeah. If he's picked at four and he picked at ten, what the hell is the difference? Yeah. You should like it either way or hate it either way. I agree. I think in, in yeah, I agree with you. And I think in terms of his case, every team that does not pick this man, I think if your team does, you should go nuts. If the Jags pass on this man and the Detroit Lions pick him, you should be going nuts in Detroit and all the way down the line until somebody gets uh, Thibodeau on their team, which would be fantastic in my opinion. But I don't know how we got to the point where it's not even in the conversation. And to your point, I think you asked a really good question the other day. Can you overthink it? I think a lot of people are. Yeah, I, I think, think so. a lot of people overthink it, and I think it's happening right now. Once again, in another year, just this time it's not with the quarterback. Usually it's the quarterback you're overthinking, and you pass on, say, Deshaun Watson because you're overthinking it, or Lamar Jackson. And I think this year that example is Kevon Thibodeau, and we're going to find out. You know, be, you want to be, see the most fascinating, like, twist of the draft is the Jags pick Trevon Walker. Okay. And the Detroit Lions don't take Hutchinson and take Thibodeau. Yeah. They might boo, though. They, to, to well, your, they would. They would boo, I think. They I would. Agree. Yeah. But that would be unbelievable. Can you imagine if Hutchinson's on the board in the same position where a lot of people have him valued, most people have him valued, yeah. higher? I mean, they won't. They'll take Hutchinson. I am firmly believe they will. Mm. But can you imagine if they took Thibodeau instead? It'd be nuts. Ooh, that'd be something. And to to that point, I think, they talked about a little bit earlier uh, that you could have heard on ESPN 690 with Barton Hahn where – if a guy that is valued at number one, if it does go Walker and then let's say something crazy happens in the – actually, this isn't too crazy. A quarterback goes number two. Then everything is off oh, for the off, rest yeah. of the draft. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, it gets like, thrown off. And that could very easily happen with Jacksonville. It, obviously not in love with Aiden Hutchinson. Who knows what the Lions are thinking? The Lions don't even know what they're thinking. They probably got six guys at number two. But it's so fascinating that somebody like Hutchinson getting to three, it just throws everything out of whack and then – then it's a good uh, couple hours of primetime television, without a doubt. <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, what are people saying around the league about this pick? Uh, and, well, they're saying a lot, right? The uh, Jacksonville Jaguars have number one overall pick. The odds have shifted, as you know. I think one of the most, the, one of the fascinating articles that came out, and again, believe what you want to believe, I would say take everything with a grain of salt. But this is from Tony Pauline, Pro Football Network. And he had some interesting tidbits, okay, uh, on this Monday morning. And he says it's Walker, essentially, is where they're leaning. Uh, there's a minority that continues to speculate that Jags could take an offensive lineman with the first pick of the draft. The consensus is they'll go with either Hutchinson or Walker. But which one? Sources continue to tell me that Balky wants Walker. Owner Shad Khan prefers Hutchinson. That's what I was referring to earlier. And I was like, mm -hmm. I don't buy the Shad Khan part of that. Like, I just don't. Like, as, as he worded it, prefers. Like, I don't think Shad's making the decision. He wouldn't have kept Trent Bulky around as the GM if he's yeah. making the decision. So, but I think I think that's a goofy line, to be honest with you, because I don't think this – if you told me Doug Peterson wants Hutchinson – Different story. Well, then that would be a different story. Yeah. So, like, Bulky's making the decision with Peterson, in my estimation. Sure, it's got to get signed off by Shad. But he got all the information on that already. I mean, Shad's just collecting information. I, he's not hitting like this is again. This would be so out of whack for Shad to do. He's not Jerry Jones. Like Jerry Jones, maybe would come in and be like, "Nope, I want that guy." No, that's fair, right? But but Shad doesn't do that. He hasn't done that. In fairness, the last thing Shad really, really wanted. Who knows how many other people agreed with him, and that didn't work out well. Well, and so, by the way, that that's another reason why. 
Agreed. Bulky should probably not be in a battle with Shad. And I highly doubt he is. That's true. <laughs> that <laughs> you is know, true. I just don't buy it. Anyway, it, it is, it's probably semantics in that sense, but I just think it's hilarious, some of the stuff that comes out. Uh, I, w- I don't believe that. I just don't believe it for a minute. Again, I think Peterson's an interesting player here. What does Peterson think? And now he could think Hutchinson over Walker. How hefty were those debates? Fascinating. Uh, he says, I'm also told the Jags are close to signing Cam Robinson to a long-term extension. That announcement could come soon. Wouldn't surprise us at all. I mean, you don't have to tell us that, Tony Pauline. The Jags are trying to tell us that. They've had good conversations with the agent. They are act- actively negotiating this. He's already signed the, the, the franchise tag. They are committed, folks, to Cam Robinson. Whether you like it or not, believe it. They are not adding a left tackle in this draft. And they sure as hell are not extending Cam Robinson to move him inside and kick him in there to play guard. <laughs> not, not at like five years, 80 million or whatever it's going to be. Absolutely not. So uh, the other thing that's interesting to me is Iquanu. What position does he play on uh, Sundays? This is what Pauline says. I think he'll be right tackle or guard. Several people here at the top of the draft tell me that the team that selects Iquanu will initially use him at a left tackle. Well, that won't be the Jags. No. Nope. If he doesn't pan out, they have an all-pro left guard on their hands. Well, great. What I want to do with my top five pick is get a guy that I want to try out at one position. A very, very important position. he might be position. better at another yeah. position just in case. I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are we doing? That's, that's not what. Now, nah, you might be able to make the case. That is that what the Jags might be doing with Walker? That might turn people off from Walker. What is he? Is he the right. defensive lineman? The big edge guy, or is he? Can he be a speed edge guy, a three-four guy? I mean, what they want to like traditionally, what you think as a guy going after the quarterback, is that a debate? See, I, I think he's a versatile player, and versatility wins a lot of things this day and age in sports. Now, that's different than saying, well, he might not pan out at left tackle, so move him inside to play guard. So you just spent the Houston Texans say, well, you just spent the third overall pick on a guard, even though you're not going to play him there right away. Yeah, it's it's the same it's same idiocy that I think the Neil and Iquanu stuff at number one, they're not drafting a guard number one overall. No. Like, it, they're just not. To that point, if they tried to do that, and that's kind of the main argument I have with the Jags, because first of all, you got to look at development and see that hasn't been great. So you're going to draft a guy, play him at guard, and then in the point that you started with the show, if you eventually move him to tackle, so you're telling me his rookie year, you got to teach this guy how to play guard who played tackle in college. So you're going to teach him to play guard, and then you're going to move him back to tackle and teach him a whole new position his second year? And we expect that one to go well? Because <laughs> yeah. it's the Jags. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's anybody, though. I mean, you can't. Well, yeah. Like, again, people, the Micah Parsons thing's fascinating because really the Cowboys lucked into finding out he was that good as a pass rusher because Agreed. they had to yeah. move him there. Yeah. They lucked into it. But let's not pretend that's always going to be the case. And, again, this goes back to Walker a little bit. I think there's a little Parsons impact in effect on the Walker type of pick. And, by the way, I can spin it to be a positive thing with Parsons. He's a game wrecker even though he wasn't your traditional pass rusher. Well, maybe Walker can be a game wrecker because he can do a ton of things. And he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. Does he have the strengths enough to be an elite player, I think, is more the question. Todd McShay, by the way. 
He's, uh, his article out today says this about the Jaguars picking number one. All the intel I've gathered points to Georgia edge rusher Trevon Walker, not Michigan defensive end Aiden Hutchinson as a number one overall pick. The belief around the league is Jacksonville pers- prefers the upside and traits of Walker over the proven production, motor, and leadership that Hutchinson brings to the table. That is not a friendly line yeah, I know. for Walker. Like, that is a bad line in this story because it sounds like He's not a leader. The Jags are idiots and prefer this guy over a guy who's produced 16 or 14 sacks last year, was a Heisman finalist, has a motor, and also has a leadership ability. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's bad. Like, that's not a good line. When you're reading it, I was like, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. <laughs> and by the way, that should scare you. Yes. That should scare you. And, and listen, Sunshine and Rainbow's guy here, but, and I, and I, again, I've been, um, I'm not like a, just going to the wall for Walker. Right. But I believe Walker is a good player. And I like the upside. I actually think it's a fun pick. It'd be a ex- more excitable pick to me than even Hutchinson. But you better hope that he can do all those things. <laughs> he looks like he does have the motor, quite frankly, and maybe a faster one. Yeah. Uh, he does not have the proven production, but I do oh. think that's being a little bit overplayed. I, I, I believe that's being a shade overplayed. And I don't know about the leadership. Now, he didn't have to be the leader of that. They had so many guys on that defense. You got Nicole B. Dean and others that are like the true leaders of that defense. He didn't have to do that. And by the way, you're not asking Aiden Hutchinson to come in here and be a leader right away. No. That's more of a projectable three sec- three years down the road, second-year contract thing. So I- I'm not, I've actually heard, and I-, I told you guys this when I came back from the Masters, that talking to people up in the area that cover Georgia, knew Georgia, they said that kid's a great kid. All those kind of intangible things that people love about him up there in Athens. So I have not heard a bad word about Walker from that situation. I just don't think you see it pronounced as much like you do with Hutchinson because he was in that role for Michigan last year. Yeah, I mean that's that is that's a good it's a good way to say it. But I will say in terms of Hutchinson, like just by watching what you saw at Michigan, I feel like I'll go to battle with him. He just has to ask and give me some eye black, like the one. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's the picture or what, but, like, I feel like watching him, like, he he is a leader. Like, I think you can tell that. And he's a guy that it looks like it's easy to go to battle for. So, I agree with the line, but, yeah, you know, Todd, maybe write a little differently. Well, yeah, you know? by the way, Come on, bro. Todd didn't back off. He says nearly all the exec scouts and coaches I oh. spoke with would personally take Hutchinson at number one bro. if it were them. He's technically efficient at the edge. He's relentless to the QB. Uh, it says the Jags, uh, execs around the NFL tell me Jacksonville just loves the upside of Walker, even though Walker, six sacks, 29 pressures, didn't fill the stat sheet like Hutchinson did. So uh, it's kind of like, it's almost like, yeah, I know, it's almost like the Jags are on an island, according to McShay, at how they view Walker this high versus a guy like Hutchinson. And that also, I'm not, I don't know if you have to be the consensus, but last year's number one overall pick was a consensus. Every GM yeah. in the league would have taken Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And it does make you feel a little bit better than well, the uh, opposite of that. I mean, to that point, we're talking about often if Hutchinson gets to two, the Lions would take him. We're not having that conversation with if Trayvon Walker gets to two. That's no, not but something he's probably that we're not hearing. getting past three in that respect. And the circumstances right. might be a little different with Hutchinson because it's the Lions. If Houston was picking second, would we say that about Hutchinson? I'm not sure. Fair point, though. Let's go take a break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. A lot more football talk and check in with some other sports as well coming off the weekend on ESPN 690.
last night, four points, two of eight from the field. And this is what happens when you don't have Devin Booker, who drops close to 30 points a game. CP3 has dropped 19 points in both fourth quarters in which they were able to win. But it seems like the tread is wearing down on the tires. It's getting tired, mostly due to the way Alvarado picks him up, makes him work. I think the Phoenix Suns are in big-time trouble, man. Uh, they might be, you know, Booker. I mean, that's a big pro- problem. And uh, Chris Paul played, I think, his worst playoff game ever. Yeah. That was my bad. We talked about what we were going to talk about. I hit the wrong button. That's all right. Uh, I think... Uh, I agree with you. I will tell you this. I'm surprised. I did not realize New Orleans would be, as the kids would say, lit like that for the postseason without Zion Williamson. Whoa. Yeah. Are you a little surprised? I mean, it's electric in I'm there. surprised you I'm, said lit. Yeah. You threw me off. Which one's more surprising? It is lit or I said lit? Oh, good question. Uh, yeah, and I could I could see you saying lit in like your circles with your friends. So you know I'll go with the other one. That they're a little. <laughs> or I have kids that are like seventeen. Yeah, one of them doesn't talk. Yeah, that's true. So you know, um, <laughs> no, it is it is somewhat I mean, surprising. He can. He just doesn't much. Yeah. You know, he definitely can. <laughs> I heard him. He was asking for more pizza that one time I saw him. But anyway, which is good. He needs more pizza. Good. Yeah. Uh, no, it is surprising. Uh, shout out to the Pelicans. You saw Zion warming up again. I know you saw that. Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, he, he warmed up again. That's good. This dude is the, the king of dunking and warm-ups and then sitting in street clothes. <laughs> I'm telling you what, man. Dude's uh, always doing it. All right, this happens to me about four times a year. Um, the old r- robotic strike zone. Angel Hernandez did it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why haven't they just fired Hernandez? I don't know, because I think it's a... To be honest with you, my conspiracy is he's a good talking point, and nobody cares about baseball really, like kid-wise. So I think everyone can get on board. They don't like the dude, so he does get people talking. I mean, that Schwarber video is everywhere. Ah, so you uh, you just came right into my wheelhouse with that, baby. Glad I could help. But you want robotic umpires. After that, yeah. Yeah, I do. It didn't take that Angel Hernandez moment. No, but, I mean, it's just a – no. All of his moments can be up for, you know – the shining achievement for there, but yeah. Listen, I say this all. I say this all the time, and I'll I'll, I'll deliver this uh, in full disclosure. In many ways, I'm a baseball traditionalist. I have no problem moving on with stuff, and I, I like the new electricity of the game and the bat flipping stuff and the personalities. And I think it's there's a lot of fantastic stuff. So I'm not like it off my lawn on that. I don't love the amount of replay we have, to be quite honest with you. I like in baseball the fact that players make mistakes and even their subjectivity in, in the umpiring uh, that you have to adapt to, and sometimes they are human and make mistakes too. I also will say this, that it's very hard to defend all this stuff when you tell me, what about getting it right, Brent? Like, you could get it right every time. I'm like, I get that. I understand that. But do we get it right all the time in any sport? Is there any sport that we get it right all the time in? And so I tweeted back to some folks, and Dan, he's a, he's a good baseball guy, and he's fun on, on Twitter, and we, we have a disagreement about this um, and, and have for years. But I just, like, I think the subjectivity in sports makes it what you just said. Us talking about it, sure, that helps our industry. But take my industry out of it. But kids are talking about it. People are talking about it. It brings light to sport. It brings debate to sport. It's like that was good. That was bad. Like that is that, by the way, also got us paying more attention to politics and other things in our society. But I say I go back to the game, the Super Bowl game with the Patriots and the Rams. Sure, it was low scoring, but we've seen low scoring games that can be really fun and entertaining and and dramatic. That was a boring game. The Rams game 
against the Patriots when they lost, so I think it was 13-3, was a boring game. And you know why it was a boring game? It wasn't boring, in my estimation, because of the score. It was boring because we never had one play reviewed in that game. There was nothing to debate. The officials got it right. Everybody got it right. It was boring. Like, there was nothing dramatic. There was no adversity. There was no controversy. And I'm not saying we need that every time out. But it does elevate the sport. It elevates the entertainment. It elevates the discussion. That is natural in any sport we play. I would make the case, Casey, if you went robotic umpires and they got it right, you're basically telling me you don't need umpires in baseball anymore. Because the base umpires get it right every time. They review everything. You would never have a wrong call in baseball if you went with the robotic stuff. Yeah. And that's good? I, I, like, I don't think that's good. You're basically saying take the umpires off the field. And I understand they would be there in some capacity to police the sport. But you, you understand this right now, right? I, like, I get what you're saying. Like, the base umpires, first of all, are very good. Like, they, they hardly are, miss yeah. anyway. And on top of that, you have replay to protect them. So they never miss anymore. Yeah. Like they never, like the call's never wrong. And now if you put robotic umpires in that box, in that strike zone, you're never going to have a bad call. Ever. In the sport of baseball, you won't have a bad call. Like that is, I don't think that's, I don't think that's cool. Like I just don't think that's good. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but 88% of the right calls behind the plate, according to the report card from the umpires, which are cool. Yeah. Like, that's a B, bro. That's not even well, an A. Listen, it ha- I don't think he's good. I think this guy should be out of the li- I don't. I don't understand why he's still there. But there are very good umpires. And a lot of these guys get it right. Like, uh, Dan said to me, and I think he's got a good point. He's like, well, so you're okay with the down and distance thing? The down and distance is the goofiest thing in the world. You got a guy walking in from 35 right. yards away trying to walk a straight line. And then also you're measuring it with a chain. Like, none of it makes sense. It's so foreign. So, like, you really do lose the integrity of the game by taking the umpire off the field. I shouldn't say the integrity. The foundation of the game. Like, you just take it away. Like, the sport... The sport always had chain game. The chain game. Mm -hmm. They always measured first down. I think they did in football. This would be something so new to sport, like, that you wouldn't have an umpire making those decisions. You wouldn't have to read the umpire. And... The technology, we already have so much of it. Replay, and we also have all this um, analytics. Like the hitter and the pitcher have more information at their disposal than ever before. Am I supposed to feel bad for him if the guy missed the strike call for a half by a half an inch? No. That guy's got more information than he's ever had in the history of the game when he goes up to bat or when he goes and faces a batter. Yeah. I mean, I hear you. I would hate it. I mean, if every call in the NBA was right, would it really be fun to watch? If every P.I. call was right, would it be fun to watch? Like, that's part of sport. I, if we I, couldn't I boo and get ejected, would it be fun? You know, I, but I, I hear what you're saying, man, but, like, it's just so bad sometimes. Like, in my perfect world, you have the umpire behind the plate. He's got a earpiece in. And if you're going to end the game or in the ninth inning that pitch on Schwarber in a one-run game when Schwarber can hit it to the moon with Elon Musk and the boys, like, you can't call that pitch a strike. You just, So then they're like, hey, no, that's a ball. Like, not every pitch, but, you know, you can't – it can't happen. Especially if you have Kyle Schwarber in fantasy and you get minus one per strikeout. It just can't <laughs> happen, you know? <laughs> there's, always a self, there's always some selfish ambition in here. 
<laughs> Why is Amanda telling me that you're whooping me in this argument? No, you're not. Yeah, I think I am. I think she's right. I think I just whooped all you guys in this argument. I don't think so. I love you, Pyres, even though, don't worry, when I'm at my kids' games, I'll probably still give you an earful. There you go. That's fun, too. Yeah. To a point. Start start pinching the zone when Kaylee's pitching. You'll see a problem. There'll be a problem. <laughs> I don't want the K zone when Kay Kaylee's pitching. Oh. She'll get lit up. We need the edge. <laughs> we'll be back. Shock your mock on ESPN 690.